Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Hor Arifi, who is an Afghan activist who has been involved with humanitarian works in Afghanistan since he was a young boy, uh, which is not that long ago. He has worked as a coordinator with the Afghan Peace Volunteers while living in Afghanistan. He is currently majoring in politics and business at a U.S. university. He also works as a facilitator with the Afghan diaspora communities trying to solve problems faced by Afghans at home and abroad. Hor Arifi, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Uh, thank you so much, uh, David, and for your warm work. Uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, tell us uh, briefly about uh, when, when you grew up and what uh, your childhood was like in Afghanistan. Uh, wow. Uh, I think that's a complicated question, but uh, I think defining childhood now uh, with having uh, uh, some years experience living in Italy now uh, in U.S., I think uh, I had no childhood, and uh, it is uh, true today that uh, 50% of Afghanistan population, they do not know their uh, birth date uh, just because they have been uh, living and growing up through wars uh, uh, all their, uh, their life. So my childhood, uh, I I grown up in a central part of Afghanistan under the Taliban area. But uh, after 2001, uh, I, I lived under, like, and grown up under NATO areas strike for uh, 15 years. So I don't know what specifically should I maybe, like, talk about my childhood, but well, it's not easy to be young and grown up in Afghanistan because you can find death and fear on daily basis and um, and on top of all this because there is a proxy war being fought for decades and decades now uh, or a lot of people they have this uh, mindset and mentality that nothing can change for better uh, in the country. And I think uh, through all my uh, time back in Afghanistan, I tried to uh, fight inside and outside to change that fake uh, definition on Afghanistan. And and, and what yeah. what year were you born? Uh, I born in um, 1998 and. Uh, but still, I have, uh, I am traumatized a lot uh, uh, from back, going back in 2001 when we moved to uh, Kabul uh, because the, the uh, state of our life uh, uh, wasn't very peaceful in the village that we were living. 
And we thought that maybe with living in Kabul, we will have a good life. But uh, Kabul was a nightmare in that time for me and my family. And I think nights that I was trying to sleep, I couldn't actually fall asleep because here often young people see the stars. I wear clean air, but I was uh, seeing uh, bullies uh, uh, blowing like stars in the cobbled air. And uh, it was a pretty hard time for me and my family. And I think uh, I can't find any certain memories uh, while living in Afghanistan. And, and when did you become involved with the Afghan Peace Volunteers? Uh, and, and can you tell us something about them? This is a group that I that I met with when I visited Kabul some some years back. Uh, yeah. So uh, Afghan Peace Volunteers. I began my journey with them in 2013. I guess I was 13 years old. And that was with me coming back uh, from uh, Pakistan. So Afghan peace volunteers are uh, the first um, uh, non-political uh, organization in Afghanistan who are working under three uh, uh, umbrella, uh, uh, trying to um, uh, uh, educate the younger Afghans about wars, about the inequalities that their society uh, uh, is facing, and they're trying to build a green and equal world uh, with a world for all children in Afghanistan and in the world. And they're a big oppose uh, uh, of wars and NATO like the wars in general and also NATO wars in Afghanistan, and they believe in non-violence and the power of love, that it can heal the country and the uh, devastated situation uh, uh, in Afghanistan. They, they plan trees, not bombs, and they take care of not only kids, but also uh, women uh, during the winters. Uh, uh, a lot of Afghans are dying every year because of the catastrophic winter that is uh, facing them. It's a wonderful organization, Afghan Peace Volunteers, uh, for planting trees, not bombs, and for all the work that they've been doing for so many years. Um, how how did you end up uh, leaving? You you mentioned going to Pakistan. You also went to Italy and and to the United States. Uh, how did that happen? Ah, <laughs> I I felt going back and forth. I was so rebellious. And seeing the situation of my people in um, Pakistan, I feel, and having the advantage of reading a lot of history and fiction books, I guess that gave me the opportunity to reflect uh, more deeply about 
my life and my vision and at that time and the environment that I was surrounded and growing up and uh, and so and when in Pakistan I spent uh, a chunk of months and that was two months and I saw a lot of my Afghan fellows in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa uh, living every day of their life as it is the last day of their life because I traveled in Pakistan during the winter and it was freezing. I actually, I feel that if I, if I hadn't the chance to move in a hotel, I would have been like died. But I saw a lot of kids and uh, my Afghan fellows like living in tents with lack of water, lack of food and and then the catastrophic uh, cold that was uh, like facing them and I and that was a good time for me to reflect uh, ab- about my country and also a little about uh, the younger people in Afghanistan and although I have had a lot of impotence in my life, I made the decision to go back to Afghanistan and trying to fill up this impotence in someone else's life and uh, pretty much ever since uh, uh, inside and outside I have been uh, struggling with my current work with the Afghan diaspora communities and abroad, trying to fill up some of these impotence that we had, and now that we have the uh, that we have some resources to share it with our Afghan fellows who are stuck amid a conflict in up in Afghanistan, and. Uh, Italy is another story, I guess. So, uh, my, it's not very easy to be an activist and living in a war zone because uh, you, the wisest of younger people in Afghanistan are oppressed uh, so easily, and my and some of the work that I was doing to uh, point out our government uh, on the uh, rights of women. So that uh, brought me a lot of risk. And I had to think of uh, probably living for some more years when I was, uh, I guess, 17. So uh, I, and I found that it's is scholarship to study for two years uh, for my higher school in Italy. And I went to Italy, and then after graduating from one of the UWC colleges, uh, I found another chance to come and now study at one of the U.S. universities. And here in the United States, you're working with other people displaced from Afghanistan, uh, helping them uh, adjust and do well here, as well as trying to help people back in in your country in Afghanistan. Uh, yes, David. So I have I have been trying to connect uh, 
uh, all the Afghan diaspora communities worldwide to uh, send uh, help and resources to Afghanistan. It's funny because U.S. is the main obstacle of uh, in a civil war in Afghanistan, and uh, they're the ones who should pay recreation to the people of Afghanistan. But we have noticed this uh, as Afghans that uh, these people working uh, in this office and people in Pentagon, I think they have uh, uh, <laughs> they have closed their ears and they don't. Uh, actual lesson to the people and democracy, I feel, in the U.S. is serving the rights of individuals, not the majority and groups. So with the groups of Afghans, we have been uh, working so hard now for years, sending the money, resources, some books for the younger people in different areas of Afghanistan to have uh, free access to education and be able to afford uh, a decent life and survive at this catastrophic uh, poverty and inequalities in the society. How, how many in the in in just the past seventeen years uh, of war? How many people? roughly, do you think, have been displaced from their homes uh, within Afghanistan and uh, emigrated to other countries outside of Afghanistan? Uh, so last year when I traveled in Afghanistan, uh, there was uh, a, a number of um, a million internal uh, displaced refugees inside of. Afghanistan, and uh, I'm not updated about the, the statistics of refugees today because I feel that there are more internal uh, refugees than ever in Kabul and and the uh, neighboring now countries like Pakistan and Iran, and I think that uh, the last um, offensive. Uh, uh, attacks of uh, Taliban in central parts of Afghanistan back on the 7th November 2018 is a good example. It displaced more than, uh, like a village of more than 600,000 people. And uh, a lot of, and I, and I think 100,000 of them were displaced to Kabul, and then uh, another big portion of them were they moved to Bamiyan and also some other places that were safe uh, from Taliban hands. And there were, and uh, surprisingly, there wasn't any adequate actions taken by the Afghanistan government because it's so fragile. And I now uh, think that. Afghanistan is actually sold out to superpowers and uh, fighting a uh, proxy war with no agenda uh, for a state building. When I hear the word village, I think of something very small, uh, but 600,000 people is a, is a large city. Uh, I mean, that is a, 
that that's something I would think of as a as a big population center. Mm, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, thank you for correcting me, David. That's actually a province. Uh, uh, that was um, Molestani Cross, and uh, to be accurate, uh, the attack in Gazni. Yeah. Um, I wonder what you think when you when you read a U.S. newspaper or watch U.S. news uh, when there are discussions of the war on Afghanistan, uh, which there are not enough. Um, uh, that there seems to constantly be the idea that if the United States were to end the war on Afghanistan, uh, things for the people of Afghanistan would get even worse. Uh, and of course, if Donald Trump were to end the war on Afghanistan, uh, that would be far worse than if a Democratic president were to end the war on Afghanistan. I mean, the Democrats in Washington cheered when President Obama pretended to end the war <laughs> on Afghanistan and are outraged uh, that Donald Trump has suggested he might de-escalate the, the war on Afghanistan. What, uh, as an Afghan, what do you think? Should the war be ended or not? Oh, well, Jared, uh, who doesn't want a country with a war or a peaceful place to grow up? Uh, uh, I, I think with the current negotiation that's going on with, that, with the Taliban, uh, the world-U.S.-NATO uh, coalition are repeating their mistake again and again, because it's the it's country member Afghanistan, and I feel it would be a difficult piece now, U.S., uh, trying to bring peace in Afghanistan with negotiating with the Taliban, and Taliban uh, who are and back, I guess, in time, the Taliban are pretty much were harbored by the U.S. machine guns. And I feel that instead of deceiving with the public and manipulating that there will be a sustained peace uh, coming uh, for Afghanistan, they should focus more on involving Afghans, the religious leaders, the other minor and major groups in Afghanistan who are excluded from this negotiation, including uh, the government. And Afghans should talk about their, the future of their country. And I feel that uh, since U.S., like uh, anytime or anywhere that U.S. has been involved, like nothing has been peaceful, like, when the war fell pretty back after the end of First World War. And then I feel that uh, with everything that's going on in Afghanistan, it's going to be another failure. And, uh, and of course, that it won't be easy for Pentagon, for NATO and NATO officials to witness a loss in Afghanistan. 
Yes, they don't like to admit uh, every time they lose a war, uh, and so they just don't end the wars. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's interesting you mentioned NATO. NATO is planning to have a meeting in Washington on April 4th, uh, and and you, Hor Arifi, have been uh, kind enough to say that you will come and speak at the events. We're planning uh, to say no to NATO and yes to peace. Um, people can go and and see what's happening at no2nato.org. Um, in the United States, a lot of people seem to believe, uh, at least at the moment, at least uh, with the current partisan configuration in the government, that if a war is a NATO war, then it's a better war. It's a more legal and acceptable and humanitarian mm -hmm. war than if it's just a U.S. war um, by itself. What do you... What do you make of that notion and what of what good or bad NATO has done for Afghanistan? Uh, David, first, I would highly encourage uh, uh, a lot of people who are listening to this uh, radio show to read your book. So <laughs> first, uh, they can at least make some sense why these wars are going or why these wars are like, does it exist? Um, I think it's something that we should reflect back uh, in history and we should learn. So, like, uh, back in 1941, so, like, why there were plans for a new office building for the military, like, which uh, came to be known as the Pentagon and uh, were brought before the Senate on August 14, 1941. And Senator or uh, uh, Wendenberg of Michigan was, he was so puzzled and he said that unless the war is to be permanent, why must we have permanent accommodations for war facilities of such size? And I think uh, quoting this from a senator back in 1941 and reading through history like none, none of the wars uh, made or they're making plans for wars. Like it's not justified. It's not humanitarian. Uh, wars can solve nothing, but it it was sales and it broke the relationship and it brings more devastation. Uh, in the country, and pretty much all wars on opium. It brought more opium and poppies. Uh, it, it inside the U.S., the war on poverty. It couldn't eradicate poverty, and it uh, increased inequalities and more poverty. Indeed, it is true, David, I feel that there are more houses in people in the U.S., but why we're in this house, why U.S., uh, a country with a large population in the world, why it has more than, I guess, it's about 565,000 uh, people, like homeless, are living day and night on the East Street. And I don't think if anyone could would be able to make some sense of her because me now 
being from Afghanistan and reading uh, not only my country history, but all this history, I am not able to justify any war that's made. And I can't make a bit sense of war. A war is just uh, killing your humanity and inside and outside. And it cannot be answered. Can you can you imagine what the United States and NATO members might have done for Afghanistan if they had given Afghanistan money and support for houses and schools and clean energy and agriculture and uh, useful human and environmental uh, projects rather than the past 17 years of war? I. Uh, Oh, things would have been upside down now <laughs> if uh, the entire NATO coalition and U.S. I think 156 countries was not extensively interfering with Afghanistan. I I think that if the world had like given these resources. Um, rather than standing in on wars, on their compounds, military, it would have rebuilt the country, Afghanistan, and we could see an Afghanistan during 1975, like, and a country which was even, like, uh, maybe similar and equal to a country in Europe. But... Uh, <laughs> But, I mean, that wasn't the plan, and, uh, and nothing happened. So even all this money sent to Afghanistan, it actually didn't get to hands of the needy people, and it brought an increased more uh, corruption in the uh, country, and it brought more uh, poverty and the suffering on the people imposed. And there are uh, a lot of reports, maybe um, maybe with the election 2009 in uh, Afghanistan and reading Ambassador Peter Galbraith's articles on the status of vast corruption in the election. I feel that for years and years now, for 18 years, the world, U.S., they are supporting a press election and a craft government that was uh, brought like uh, through a uh, U.S. agenda in Afghanistan after 2001. Well, I hope that enough years have gone by uh, and enough pressure can be brought from around the world and from within the United States uh, to change things. Hor Arifi, I'm very glad that you will be joining us and speaking at the No to NATO, Yes to Peace Festival in Washington, D.C. in April. Uh, again, people can go to notonato.org. Uh, we will also have that link up at talknationradio.org. We've been speaking with Hor Arifi, who is an Afghan activist, has been involved with humanitarian works, uh, has worked as a coordinator of the Afghan Peace Volunteers is working with Afghan 
diaspora communities, uh, helping people at home in Afghanistan, here in the United States and elsewhere. Ahor Arifi, thank you for what you're doing and for taking the time to come on Talk Nation Radio. And thank you so much, David Swanson, for inviting me. It was a pleasure. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a nonprofit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.